0: a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 313, Why We Should Study Church History. You know, a study of any kind of history always has the potential to provide us with some incredible insights. Now I get it, some people just don't get into history. Maybe they had a bad teacher, maybe they had a bad experience, or maybe it's just not their cup of tea, and that's fine, I I, I get it. But it seems that people who who are not students of history, who haven't really taken the time to... to to get a clear timeline of where we've come from as people uh, from the beginning of time, or maybe even as a nation studying American history or wherever wherever you're at, um, they don't seem to have a very clear understanding of what's going on in the present because history does tend to repeat itself in some ways. But it's only as we study history and the history of others that we're able to really get a a, a good perspective of what's going on in the present, and also to get some tools to help us understand our own history better. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and major in history and spend hours do, you know, reading it, but, but there is a benefit to, to, to gleaning everything we can from history. And church history is a fascinating segment of history, and really should be studied by everyone who says that they're a Christian. And again, I'm not saying you have to spend hours and hours studying church history or go get a degree in it, but there's so much that we can learn. Number one, first of all, it provides a a chain of custody, if you will, back to the earliest days of Christianity. When we look at early church history, we see the connections between Jesus' apostles and and the other followers who followed Jesus to the church fathers of the 2nd century and onward. Now, this is huge because one of the things that that, that Christianity maintains is that really doctrinally, um, orthodox doctrine really hasn't changed in almost 2,000 years. No matter what people will say, if you trace it back to its purest and most basic form, Christians have believed pretty much the exact same thing for two thousand years. That's that's pretty much unheard of. These apostolic church fathers—they um, these were the men who were students of Jesus's disciples. So, in other words, people who who uh, followed Peter or followed Paul or followed John or some of the others. Um, They became the early church fathers, and then their students carried on that tradition. Clement and Polycarp are two great examples. Clement had close ties to the apostles Peter and Paul, and he ended up as the third bishop or the third leader of the church in Rome. Uh, Polycarp, he'd been a disciple of the apostle John, and was a leader of the church in Smyrna. And remember, the Apostle John was probably the only of Jesus' disciples to die a natural death. Some traditions say that he lived well into his 90s, and so Polycarp would have had this great time with the Apostle John, learning from him. Uh, These church fathers and many others passed along what had been taught from Jesus' disciples. And here it was we we really get the first uh, men to acknowledge the New Testament writings as scripture, because remember in Jesus' day and in Paul's day the scriptures were the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, Genesis through Malachi. But these early church fathers understood that the writings of uh, the Gospels, the four Gospels, and Acts, and then the letters by Paul and James and Peter, and and, and, and the writings of John, these were also seen and understood to be Scripture. 200 years before the New Testament was even finalized, several of the church fathers had already listed the writings that they felt had the authority of Scripture. You know, some people say the New Testament is not reliable. Some people say the New Testament is Um, You know, just kind of a mishmash collection of books. But really, almost every list that's been preserved from the church fathers contains uh, portions of the 27 books that make up the New Testament today. So this really goes back, again, almost 2,000 years that there's been this continuity in the scriptures. As one looks back to the earliest days of church history up to, to, to modern days, um, it's easy to see that the basics of Christianity really haven't changed. Maybe some minor doctrinal differences that are seen in different groups of Christians. Uh, maybe different ways that uh, some churches celebrate. Obviously, you've got the the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church, and even in in Protestant circles, you know, you've got the Episcopal churches um, where or, or the Anglican churches where. Where they're much more liturgical and much more formal, um, whereas you might have more um, independent churches or even some denominational churches that are a little bit more free flowing. But but reality, there's just minor differences. Um, the fundamentals of the faith uh, that every Christian groups that every Christian group holds to really hasn't changed in almost two thousand years, and so this is. This is important for us to know because it, it really uh, buffers our faith. It gives us strength and, and, and faith to know that what we believe is not something that just you know, was, was created last week. Um, this has been tried and proven and people have lost their lives for holding to this faith. A second reason why a study of church history is important is that it strengthens our own faith. You know, as Christians look back over their rich heritage, uh, it allows us to see God's hand at work. You know, during the first two centuries of of Christianity, there was brutal persecution. Brutal persecution against the church. And, you know, this this was tough. People were losing their lives for what they believed in. And even... Even uh, through the Dark Ages and into the Reformation, the Great Awakening here in the U.S., and then the rise of theological liberalism at the the beginning of of the 1900s, late 1800s into the 1900s, and then the incredible moves of the Holy Spirit, the revivals of the 19th and 20th centuries, Um, we see that God has sustained His people by grace through good times and bad times, The church has continued to thrive all over the world. Don't go away. We will be right back. I want to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. New Testament Snapshots is an exciting look at 12 of the lesser-known characters in the New Testament. You know, we all know about Jesus and Peter and Paul and John and some of the, the key people in the New Testament. But what about some of the guys and girls that we don't have quite as much information about? You know, there's enough there that we can actually present some, some pretty good uh, portraits of these folks, if we're willing to dig just a little bit. So, so that's what we do in New Testament snapshots. We dig in. Uh, we we really do some 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 kind of in depth studies. But it's fascinating. Um, you know, I guarantee you, if you pick up miracles or pick up New Testament snapshots, started to say miracles of Mark, that was the book we talked about last week. But if you pick up New Testament snapshots and and dive in, you will learn so much. You'll be so inspired, and I know your faith is going to be enriched. This is a great book for personal Bible study or for small group study. So click on the link, grab a copy. You can get an e-book or paperback, uh, whatever you prefer, and I know that you will love it. Well, all right, we're talking about why church history is still important. And we, we said, first of all, it provides a chain of custody back to the early days of Christianity It strengthens our own faith when we see how God still works in His people. And then another really uh, important benefit to studying and examining church history is that it prepares the church for the future. You know, as, as, as much as some people would like to stamp out organized religion, Christianity is not going away. Christianity is thriving in so many parts of the world, especially those places where it's being persecuted. It's, it's, it's amazing. One of the church fathers said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and the more they persecute us, the more we will grow. And as history has shown us, though, the church is only effective when it's able to adapt adapt and change its methods with the times. And, and you may see some circles of Christianity that really haven't adapted. They haven't changed. And those are the ones that tend to be struggling. Now, notice I did not say that we're changing the message. We talked about changing our methods and, and maybe some of our systems. But the message of the gospel has not changed, really, in 2,000 years. So the methods... They change regularly. will give you an example. One example of that would be the technology that we use to spread the gospel. You know, this pandemic of, of 2020 and into 21 has forced the church to pivot. And, and even though my particular home church was already uh, posting their, their, their video messages on, onto uh, YouTube, now we had to pivot and actually create a whole service online. Um, uh, churches are streaming, churches are using so many means to reach people throughout the world. Um, you know, and even in the earlier days, technology was having an impact. Uh, after the, the printing press was invented, the printed word was the primary means of spreading Christianity throughout the world. Um, to be able to pass out brochures and pamphlets and scriptures and New Testaments and Bibles. Um, you know, really was such a big deal to take the gospel into all the world. Uh, A few hundred years later, the the printed word is still important, but television, radio, the internet um, have become at least as important as the printed word in communicating the gospel. Successful and growing churches understand the power of having a presence on the internet. Uh, Whether it's a good informative website, whether it's utilizing a podcast to share their messages, YouTube, um, as we talked about streaming services, uh, whatever it is, using the gospel allows us to be much more impactful and to have more influence. Um, A quick example, Uh, during the the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, uh, originally all of our small groups, connect groups, we're zoom formats now we're back to doing them live and some people still choose to do a digital group and that's fine but now we're back to doing them live but the digital groups what we're seeing is this incredible outreach um, one particular women's group they have people from four different states that are a part of this connect group they get together they share they connect they share they, they talk about God they they actually are doing a Bible study and Um, So women from four states, we regularly have people from other countries participate in our online services. So it's allowing us to have an impact and influence uh, far beyond what we ever thought we could do. Uh, Another example of changing methods, remember we're not changing the message, but we will change our methods regularly, and that's music. Um, Fanny Crosby, man, if you've never heard of Fanny Crosby, She was a whirlwind. She was a 19th century hymn writer, and she really has several thousand uh, songs and hymns to her credit. And what was unusual about Fanny Crosby was she was known to use popular music, secular music of the day, to go with words that she had written to create many of her hymns. And you know music's always going to be one of the most powerful tools that the church uses to worship. Uh, music uh, reaches people at an emotional level that that spoken words uh, may never. And so it's a very powerful way. So that's why so many churches today um, use music to worship, to teach, and to evangelize. And uh, most contemporary churches make use of contemporary worship music. And, you know, electric guitars, drums, keyboards... Expensive sound system, lights, and and I get it. For for some of my traditional brothers and sisters, they, they hate this, and that's fine. But the reality is, modern people tend to be reached with modern methods. If you like 200-year-old songs, perfect. I listen to Bach, I listen to Mozart, I listen to Beethoven, I listen to Vivaldi. I like classical music, I like older music, I just don't worship to it. I want something that's that's that that that's more contemporary and more relevant, and uh, and so whatever it takes, and you know many traditional churches are still using hymns. That's great, um, but the, a lot of these are also incorporating some uh, modern and contemporary music as well. So remember, the message never changes, but we're always looking to improve our methods to reach a modern audience. And then one last one last benefit. To studying church history is that it keeps us balanced. It keeps us balanced. You know, one of the things that church history shows is a tendency to overreact and overcorrect. The pendulum constantly seems to swing too far one way uh, into being like the world or too far into separating oneself from the world. The reality is the church To be the church that Jesus has called us to be, must always maintain that tension of living in the world, being relevant as much as it can, having an impact in the world, being influential, but not becoming like the world. A look at church history can help keep the pendulum from swinging too far to either side. Well, a quick recap. We said that a study of church history provides the chain of custody back to the earliest days of Christianity. We said that um, church history is important because it strengthens our own faith. We can see what God's done in the past and take faith for the future. We said that uh, church history, a study of church history, actually uh, prepares us for the future as we see how God's moved in the past and we ask, well, how can he, he continue to work today? And then a last benefit to studying church history is that it keeps us balanced, it keeps us from swinging too far into the world or too far from being separated because Jesus has called us to be salt and light. Well, I would love to hear from you. What are some other benefits to studying church history? What's, what's something that's really stood out to you as you have spent time studying this incredible subject. I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or a comment for today's post. I'd love to hear from you and have a conversation. Um, If there's any way I can help you, if you need help with your church, you need help with your leadership team, something else you want to talk about, david at davidspell.com, and I will get right back with you. Um, While you're at davidspell.com, make sure you drop me your email address right in that little box at the top. That will allow us to stay connected. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And I'll see you next time on Leading and Learning.